Anomalous Playboy, a football podcast. With your hosts, Ashley and Michael, please sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Undroppables Playbook. We are so excited to be here. Um, we're your hosts. I'm Ashley, and this is Michael Duncan. Hey, everyone. We're so excited. Um, yeah, so I want to give you guys a quick little rundown before we get started of what you can expect from the Undroppables Playbook. So this is basically like a general football podcast. So it's not boxing you into a fantasy podcast. It's not boxing you into a football podcast. It's it's a mix of it all. So we'll be breaking down our favorite plays, our favorite players, our favorite teams, what we love from the week um, during the season and, and having a lot of fun doing it, playing a couple of games, you know, just talking football. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and honestly, I'm excited to see how long it lasts, considering that we're both fans of separate NFC East teams. It might only be one episode long. We'll have to wait yeah. and see. Yeah, it's going to be like one of those bad like sitcom breakups that it's like Dunks is going to have to get on here and be like, I'm so sorry to inform you. Well, I thought I was going to have to do that this week because, uh, you know, 10 minutes before our very first episode, you call me and you go, oh, hey, I don't have power. Yeah, I didn't. I I don't know that I've ever had that big of a heart attack before. Like, because we had been working towards this release date forever, and we were so set on the release date and releasing it on the day we're going to always be releasing it, which is Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then I lost power. And I was like, there's no, we wanted to release before the season started. We wanted to release on our regular day, and I lost power. I was ready to go on here and do a solo pod for the next, like, three or four hours. No one was going to be there to constrain me, to hold me back, to, uh, you know, stop me from talking. Um, but then I, I quickly realized that's not what anyone wants. And then you got power back. So I'm pretty sure it was a message from God or someone. Um, but we're here. We're here to talk football. And uh, I think that'll probably take us into our uh, first uh, segment, so to say. Yeah, before we do that, I'm actually going to give you guys um, our first sponsor. So the Andropolis Playbook is sponsored by Analyst Depot, which is your go-to source for all of your fantasy football analyst needs. Um, they have a great amount of tools to help you be the best fantasy analyst. Um, tools showing you player shares, um, how to report on players and, and defensive performances of the week, and their amazing uh, projection wizard. So you, it, it really helps to build your own team project projections. It breaks it down step-by-step step with easy instructions. Um, and it helps store like a lot of your historical data so you could see how, how good of an analyst you actually were. So you guys can head over to www.analystdepot.com and sign up for a free account. It's an awesome tool. Uh, I think everyone over the Undroppables has been using it for yeah. the last few months, uh, working on projections for the seasons. We're uh, for the season. We're going to be using it throughout the season for weekly rankings and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, the dude that's in charge over there, Dave, he's a great guy. He takes a lot of uh, input from the people that are using it on how to make it better. So it's getting better every day, and uh, it's a very easy tool to use. Which um, for a lot of people, you know, it takes away a lot of the hassle that um, comes with doing things like making projections. So. Yeah, you don't have to set up all of your like Excel little cubes with with autofill okay. and stuff like that. You know, don't talk bad on Excel. Excel is great. I love Excel. Um, this is just a, it is it's a different you tool. You know how to use it. Well, yeah, I know how to use it. That's why I like it. I'm not that good at it. Um, well, we can work on that. Um, but anyway, going into the news, uh, what do we have first, Ashley? Yeah, we have some big news. 
Latavius Murray was cut by the Saints. That is the most depressing piece of big news I've ever heard. That is like right? the smallest big How, news. Why did we start off with this? <laughs> well, because it has a lot of, um, I think, uh, you know, it, it says a lot about what the Saints are doing. Um, and also, I think the possibilities of things that could happen around the league. Um, I'm a little surprised that nothing happened with him before week, like before week one in terms of getting picked up or at least getting signed to a practice squad like we saw Lev Bell um, do. But... You know, I think it does say a lot about what the Saints are going to do this season. And, uh, you know, I think maybe after week one, you know, if a couple teams are a little dissatisfied in their running game, I think that's when we see something move with Latavius Murray. So, uh, you know, for such a small, seemingly insignificant move for a 31-year-old running back, it could have a lot of implications. Yeah, and, and he's coming off one of the best year, the best year of his life. He had what four touchdowns, uh, six hundred and fifty six yards. Um, so he he came off of a really good year. Um, so I'm curious to see what you think this means. First of all, for Alvin Kamara. Well, so you know it's tough because the Saints, uh, since Alvin Kamara has been there, and even before Alvin Kamara, uh, as long as Sean Payton's been there, really, they've loved to utilize that two-back system, uh, where it's not strictly like a thunder and lightning type thing, but really guys that can operate in the same space. And obviously, they each have their uh, you know their strengths and their weaknesses, but they do a lot of similar things and can excel at similar things. So it's not you know overly drastic. Um, you know, it's not overly drastically changing from play to play, depending on the running back. Uh, but that being said, they've always had a pretty stable backup behind Alvin Kamara, a vet, a guy that, you know, you kind of know what to expect with Mark Ingram, with Latavius Murray. Um, and I think that for the first time in Alvin Kamara's career, they've got a guy back there named Tony Jones, who I'll be honest, I never really had heard of no. uh, before the the speculation of... Until you had to play the waiver wire. Yep. Yeah. The speculation yeah. of Latavius Murray came out and it's like, okay, well, who's the, who's the other guy that got? It's the guy I'd never heard of. Um, so... It's not to say that Tony Jones can't play. I don't know if he can play, but he's probably not Latavius Murray coming off the best uh, season of his career. Uh, the Saints, uh, like Kyle is pointing out in the comments right now, they needed that money. They really needed that money because yeah. they have very little money, um, and they're the going to get are it. Always strapped for cash. Like, I know. They are always looking for cab space, and every year it's like, okay, maybe we'll come up with a better structure here. And every year it's something like this to clear up cap space. And I mean, that's the thing. Like when you're talking about a backup running back, when you're paying Alvin Kamara the money he has, like you do want to be able to save money at the backup running back position. So it, it makes total to sense. Your assets, right? Absolutely. Like, but and having someone it's... like Tony Jones behind him, like, like, yeah, we don't, we don't know what that's going to look like. Like, be honest, we, you know, but with Latavius Murray, we knew. So it it's kind of this catch-22 of, like, do we have a stable backup behind him that we could still protect our team if, if Alvin Kamara has to come out for injury, for personal reasons, for anything, for just a break? We have Latavius Murray behind him. We have a solid back, a veteran. Um, or do we clear cap space and, and then, you know, not quite sure? And, and, you know, the thought could be that Alvin Kamara gets – even more of a, a of a workhorse than he already is. And then that's also putting him at risk, right? Because having, like you said, that two-back system where you could relieve some of the pressure 
from Alvin Kamara led to him having those crazy numbers that he has. It's not the fact that he, you know, he is very, very good, but having someone to alleviate that pressure helps. If you're a, a workhorse with no one to follow behind you, you're, there's a good chance you could get hurt. And then the team suffers. You have to suffer because you might have to come back faster. So there's a, definitely a lot at play here. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that we don't see many true workhorse running backs in the NFL anymore. Not in the way that we used to when Adrian Peterson was kind of in his prime and guys like, um, I mean, really the only one that's currently in the NFL that I would say really defines as that is Derrick Henry. And he doesn't really do the pass game work all that much. Um, I mean, James Robinson was breaking records last year with uh, the amount of snaps that he was getting from the running back position. Um, So I guess you could maybe say him, but again, look, they drafted Travis Etienne. And I think that's really what this means is Alvin Kamara might get a slight bump in work, um, but it's not really, you know, he's, his efficiency is probably going to go down because he's been historically efficient his entire career. And part of that is because of uh, the fact that he doesn't play the amount of snaps and get the amount of touches that other running backs get. Um, so while his efficiency may go down, his usage will most likely go up. And I think the Saints just really need to hope that Tony Jones can at least be a capable backup while they're in there. Because it's not even like they have Drew Brees to kind of carry the load on offense like they've had in years past. Like, even if he was getting up there in age, like he was still able to run the offense extremely efficiently. Um, So I don't think this changes a lot for Alvin Kamara in my mind. Maybe it makes me feel a little bit better about his usage. Uh, But I think at this point in his career, you're either in or out on him, knowing what his usage is going to be and has been, um, and just understanding that he's one of the most efficient running backs that we've seen in the past 10 to 15 years. So um, I I think the bigger question mark probably comes with the possibility of Latavius Murray stepping onto another team and screwing up fantasy managers' plans in terms of uh, quote-unquote workhorse running backs on other teams. Yeah. Everyone on the Gus bus, don't don't lose your panties. But there is a chance that I was I meant to say don't get your panties in a twist, not lose your panties. You were close. Deep, I was close. I was there. It's basically I was the same there. thing. I was there. Um, but what the obvious front runner was was to have him go there to the Ravens um, with J.K. Dobbins hurt and out for the year. Um, and the backup behind J.K. Dobbins was Gus Edwards. So that was a very real possibility. Um, some other talk was the Cardinals um, behind James Conner or the Falcons behind Mike Davis. Um, and, and like you said, we kind of really have no indication. And it, and it could very well be that it's a couple of weeks before we know where Latavius Murray goes. But those were the clear front runners that kind of have a need for a running back, whether in a backup role or someone to, again, alleviate pressure from a starter. So someone like Mike Davis, how can we help alleviate the pressure from him if maybe we bring in Latavius Murray? And and the obvious for the Ravens is with J.K. Dobbins going down. Um, they were scouting running backs this week. They, they had Le'Veon Bell there. He's um, now on the practice so, squad. Yeah. So we know that they're looking for running backs and it could be that they turn to Latavius Murray for to fill that role. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be extremely frustrating and honestly a little bit scary, I think, uh, because I think we're going to get a lot of notifications of, you know, Adam Schefter saying 
blank and blank team is working out Latavius Murray today. And then there's just going to be everyone freaking out about what that's going to mean for that running back on that team. Because there's so many teams that I think have a certain amount of fragility at running back that managed to make it through the off season in somewhat kind of in one piece. Uh, I think the biggest one that I can think of is obviously the Falcons, but a strong second is probably the Dolphins. I mean, I think we're finally all kind of getting back on board with the idea of, um, uh, Miles Gaskin being a workhorse again this season. Um, but obviously they signed Malcolm Brown and they still have Salvin Ahmed. Uh, so there's a lot of different uh, chances for Latavius Murray to go around the league and really screw people up. And obviously the Ravens also just lost Justice Hill, their third string running back, who's a bit of a pass catching uh, specialist in that manner. So, it, you know, it's not even like they need a backup. They all, they just need depth. Yeah. I mean, they have literally two undrafted free agent running backs. Uh, one of them, obviously, is Gus Edwards, who just signed a pretty decent deal for that mm-hmm. matter. But um, you have an undrafted free agent rookie uh, as the backup and really no one behind him. So that's horrifying. And then I think the Falcons are probably going to want to wait a week and see what they get out of Mike Davis and their newly signed free agent, Wayne Gallman. Um, before they probably make any move. And I think that's really what's, what it comes down to is waiting a week or two to really see where Latavius Murray um, feels that he can get the, you know, the type of touches that he wants or whatever, if there's an injury or if a team is dissatisfied with who uh, they have running their backfield at the moment. Yeah. And, that, and that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit was there, there is more real life implications here too. Like, like a, something like this where, coming off of the best season you've had a player is advocating for themselves to get the money they want to say, look, I am putting in the work. I am moving your organization forward. I want the deals I can get. And, and saying, if I don't get that, I, I have to walk away and, and parting ways with an organization. I think that has very real implications for football as a whole. And I think we've seen it kind of transitioning towards this very, I, I don't want to say it's completely player centric because it's not like it's, it's ran as a business. That's, that's what the NFL is. It, it makes money. That's, that's the end of the day. It's not really player centric, but we've seen a, a, a shift start to happen that players are at the forefront and saying, I'm putting everything on the line. I'm putting my body on the line. I want to get the deal I can get. And if you're not going to give it to me, then I, I can go elsewhere. Like I will try and go elsewhere. And it doesn't um, always work out. It doesn't. But in some cases, I see this working out for Latavius Murray. I, personally, I don't think he ends up nowhere. I think he ends up somewhere, maybe, as I think, still as a backup. He's not going to be a starter anywhere unless a serious injury happens. Um, but I see this working out. And sometimes, you know, players just say, I will take less money to go elsewhere because I don't want to be with the organization that wouldn't give me that I gave and wouldn't give back. Right. So yeah. Latavius Murray could take a pay cut in the long run just to say, like stick it to the man and be like, I gave the saints everything and you gave me nothing in return. So I'm going to walk away, take a pay cut and go play for the Ravens. So that's a very well possibility, but I, I do like to see this player shift where the players are coming into the forefront and kind of advocating for themselves. And that's on players. That's on agents. That's on, league that's on fans saying we want this person we you know we hope you guys bring them back so i i really do love to see this and and like you said it has fantasy implications but i like the fact that these players are people first and they're able to kind of push for themselves to get what they want 
Well, that's probably a really good transition to our next, I think, headline piece of news moving into this week, which uh, is not going to have uh, all that big of fantasy implications unless you're in an IDP league. But uh, and that's TJ Watt, um, you know, standout um, pass rusher for the uh, Steelers. Uh, he has not been well, he practiced today, but that's for the first time in a little bit. And there's a lot of uncertainty uh, surrounding his availability for week one against another AFC contender in the Buffalo Bills, which should be a really, really good but also a really important game for that team um he's been holding out because he wants a new contract and uh, you know i think uh you had said we were talking before the show that big ben came out and Mm -hmm. actually advocated and more or less said you know because guys like big ben at you know 30 whatever years old and he's just gonna play there until he feels like retiring like he can come out and kind of just say what he wants and he said hey just pay this dude yep and i think that that kind of implies that the saints are Uh, not the Saints, the Steelers are very looking to win now, right? Like, it's a very win-now team. Ben is getting old. He's already old. Like, like Ben has little life left in him. So they want to get what they can get with Ben before they have to try and figure out how to move forward. And they've kind of put put have been putting these chips in place to be a win-now team. And everyone thought it was going to be last year, and they choked. It happens. But their players are still there for the most part. So, you know, they're building this team and you have to have a good defense. And and TJ Watt is a huge part of that defense. That defense will look completely different if TJ Watt is not there. I mean, he's one of the three best pass rushers in the league. I, yes. so, he's kind of gotten... He's kind of gotten screwed over when it comes to defensive player of the year the past like one or two years. And um, his brother, JJ, has gone out of his way to uh, make sure everyone knows that. Um, And I I think that is, uh, you know, it's definitely brought a little bit more light to TJ and brought him out of the shadow of JJ a little bit and kind of have gotten people to respect his name for who he is and not who his brother is slash was. so I agree. I mean, I, when push comes to shove, the Steelers have always been a very defensive-centric team. They have they have an elite defense. They have an outstanding defense, and I think that's what's really going to be able to carry the Steelers if they want to make one final run, a la, you know, the Denver Broncos when Peyton Manning was throwing, like, 10 yards, and Von Miller literally put him on his back and just kind of took him there. Like, I think that's the best comparison that we could possibly see. But the thing is, is if T.J. Watt isn't on the field, that's not going to happen. Um, because it's now a pass happy league and that makes two of the most important positions quarterback and the guys who rush the quarterback. Yep. So something definitely to keep an eye on if you play IDP leagues or if you play in a league where you have to play like kickers and defense, um, because that, that changes up the Steelers defense. And I know that they're one of the first few drafted in, you know, home leagues where you draft defenses. So that, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, and, and still on the defensive side of the ball, we have six players this year testing out position-specific helmets. So I'm very and excited to hear about this because I, I still so don't know what it means. I am so excited to tell you about it. I am so excited to tell you about it. So a little bit of background on me is that I did my undergrad in public health with almost all of my undergrad research in like player health and safety, um, specifically for CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, the the brain injuries that uh, football players get from having a lot of these hits. Um, So this year we're having six players test out 
position specific helmets. Um, these helmets ranked second in helmet tests. So every year the NFL does helmet tests and they put out a spectrum of good to bad helmets. If you're in the green, you can wear those helmets. Yellow, we're keeping an eye on. Red, you have like one year to get rid of those helmets. That was an issue when Tom Brady came in because he wanted to play with the helmets that he played with in uh, college. Yeah. And they didn't test well and they told him he couldn't, he couldn't and blah, blah, blah. So this tested second best helmet, um, but it was different than the first best helmet because this was position specific. Um, it's developed by Vicis, that's V-I-C-I-S. Um, so basically what it is, is that these players playing different positions, nearly every player playing football sustains some sort of head trauma, whether that's small hits and just a lot of them or big hits and, and concussions and having to go into concussion protocol. The thing is, depending on what position you play is where your brain injury occurs. So linemen typically have front damage, like to the front of their brain, because they're hitting each other head on. Whereas a quarterback is more likely to sustain like rotational trauma. So getting hit and like your head whipping around or back of the head trauma from a sack. So you get sacked and you hit your head on the grass. That is just as bad, but it's two completely different sides of your brain. So what these helmets are doing is putting a light, um, like pliable padding where those players are more likely to get hit. Um, so again, for alignment, which is what they're testing it out on is the front of the head. So it, it is really interesting. Um, one of the players that was talking about it was the Green Bay right guard, Lucas Patrick. He was talking about it. He said the helmets are still light, which is something they look for because you don't want to wear a piece of like, you don't want to wear a brick on your head that's like weighing you down. So you're still looking for comfortability, stuff the players like while adding extra protection. And it's so crucial because the recent, what, decade we've learned about the issues of CTE in the NFL and, and with football players. And it's not even NFL. It's, it's across all levels. Like college players are getting this. We're seeing signs in younger players who play hard. And it was what three out of 14 brains and high schoolers had signs of CTE 110 out of 111 NFL players that donated their brains had signs of CTE. So this is so, so crucial. One of the craziest facts I've ever heard was that the force that linemen sustain in one football game is equivalent to driving your car into a brick wall at 30 miles an hour and not hitting the brakes. That's do not test game. that out at home. No, please, please don't do that. But that that's one game. Imagine practices, imagine the rest of your season. So this to me is one of the great things um, that the NFL is doing to prevent that. Another great thing is that this year they started testing out almost like a hood that goes over the helmet. It looks, a look, it looks a little doofy, but it's like, has these like pads all over it, like raised pads. It looks like a mountain on their head. And then that's, it's the same idea to kind of decrease the blow and, and mitigate the momentum and the force from a hit. But that is one of the best things I heard all week when I saw that I was so excited. That's really cool to see, um, you know, a lot of real life stuff that you learned about and research and really kind of come into play and um, kind of mix that knowledge with uh, 
something that you're passionate about, like football and the NFL. And um, just real quick, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. Um, I did not study public health in college. I play the trumpet. Um, that's what I did. Uh, but did the intro music. Yeah, well, um, something that I thought that was really interesting that you said is 110 out of 111 people that played in the NFL that donated their brains showed signs of CTE. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really interesting about that is I think, you know, the public perception of CTE is in a lot of ways, you know, the junior Seau's, the um, Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. Uh, and uh, there was another one. I think that the Chiefs guy had shown signs of it. Yeah. Who's I, the name is completely escaping me. Um, but, it's really interesting to note that, like, you know, I've had uh, conversations with fellow undroppable Tommy Moe about, you know, some of the issues that he has just from playing high school. And I forget if he played college ball at all. He did play college ball. So, you know, it, CTE isn't just something that makes you go insane and, you know, want to kill people like that. That is not what CTE is. That is obviously a very um, extreme case of it. But CTE can be anything from headaches to um you know forgetfulness dizzy like these small insignificant things that you know most of the time you're not even going to have any clue that it's a disease really um it's just like oh i forgot that thing you know oh i'm getting old that kind of stuff and i think that's how it starts that's how a lot of these players who have who get diagnosed with cte say it starts and like their wives talk about like oh he kept misplacing the keys like you know he kept forgetting where the keys were and they were right by the front door like that was like their first indication and you know there a lot of people's progress to worse some people stay just like that but unfortunately when you have when you have that for years of your lives it it leads to a lot of trauma and a lot of you know self-harm and stuff like that so that is why we need to do more on prevention rather than like post injury trying to help them because there you can't really at, at the no. current time you can't help CTE. There's no treatment for it and it can't be diagnosed officially until after death when they like biopsy your brain. They can have some sort of idea, but they don't have like an actual hard diagnosis for you until after. So that is why it is so crucial to have prevention methods in place. And again, it goes hand in hand with what we were talking about before about player advocacy, right? Like these players are putting their lives on the line, literally, like for our entertainment, right? And yep. and all they're asking for is a little bit of return and to be safe and to have this league put the effort in to keep them safe. And there's definitely more that they can do, but I think that this is a great start. Yeah, and if the league is a business, protect your assets. It should be that simple yeah. for them. Um but uh, yeah, so I think that is going to really do it for uh, the main like news topics uh, stuff that we wanted to uh, talk about today. Um, and that's going to kind of move us into our next uh, kind of topic or uh, segment or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's going to be us talking about you know, the NFL, it's back. Week one is coming up Uh, at this point. You know, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, It's coming back tomorrow. We're going to see Tom Brady take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think everyone is excited for football to be back because I'm personally sick of guessing about what, you know, blank and blanks week one usage is going to be. But before we get into that, I'm tired of drafting. Oh, I'm never going to be tired of drafting. It's a good thing we don't have a draft for later on this show. No, no, not at all. No, but come on. It's at this point that I've drafted so many teams that I just want to play fantasy football. Oh, well, yeah. I just want to watch football. 
Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I know we don't actually have mailbag scheduled for this, um, and this isn't actually mailbag, but I see a comment uh, from What Up Mike, and I assume he's just talking to me, so I wanted to answer the question <laughs> um, on YouTube. And it's uh, he asks, what fantasy impact do you think Jawan Johnson will have being able to go into wide receiver tight end spots in most leagues? Um, I don't know if you have a strong take on this, but I was having a conversation with someone actually like earlier today about it. And that's the only reason I wanted to touch on it real quick. But uh, the fact that he, you know, is being viewed primarily as a tight end um, in my mind basically means that his eligibility really shouldn't matter that much Mm -hmm. because if he's going to be used like a tight end, uh, then there's not a lot of upside of putting him in a wide receiver slot, you know? Yeah. Like, it's one thing if you can take Devontae Adams and put that in your tight end slot because then you don't have to start a crappy tight end. But it's another if you have to take a crappy tight end and he gets wide receiver eligibility. You know, why would you start him when wide receiver is deeper and you can have other options? This isn't Taysom Hill, who is a quarterback who you know is going to score, you know, 20 plus points and being able to start him instead of, you know, whatever crappy tight end you have in your tight end slot. Um, So, you know, regardless of what Jawan Johnson does for the Saints this season, uh, especially early on with Troutman a little bit injured and um, the lack of any wide receivers they have, if you like him, start him in your tight end spot. Yeah. If you don't like him, I, I mean, don't start him in your wide receiver slot. There's not a ton of advantage having a tight end that can be played in the wide receiver slot because in what, how many scenarios are you really going to want to start a second tight end mm-hmm. over, you know, a wide receiver? Not very often, unless you have George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, neither of which do I think Juwan Johnson will be. Um, yeah, I, I think the dual eligibility too is kind of to, to put him in the tight end spot is a lot on the blocking too, right? To have him there to be a blocker as well. Um, like you said, I don't, I, if I had him, I would play him at a tight end, not in a wide receiver slot. So. Yeah. And I, I'm, and I'm not forcing him into my lineups for week one. Um, it, again, if I am, it's as a tight end and it's because Adam Troutman is out and they have no one else to catch the ball, but yeah. uh, is he officially out yet. Uh, I don't think so. We've um, had, like no news in like two no. weeks. And it makes me really sad because I love Adam Troutman. Um, but now that I've properly distracted us on our very first show and got us off base, um, we this are going to go. People. Oh, yeah, it's great. My ADHD is already taking over. It's going to be awesome. Um, but uh, we are going to talk about what do we want to see in this week one? Like I said, it's been so long. We're finally going to get to be able to watch football. And so now we are going to take some time and just talk about, you know, ho- what we're hoping to get out of this, you know, what we're hoping to learn in terms of going forward, whether that be for the NFL's purposes, you know, who are the competitive teams who aren't or for fantasy, you know, like we're finally going to get to see is Javante Williams, for instance, going to be that lead back week one, or is it going to take us some time? Um, so actually I've been doing a lot of talking. Why don't you talk about your giants first and tell us what you want to see out of them in week one, what you're hoping to learn? Yeah, of course. The the big one for me, and it's something I've been talking about, is Daniel Jones. Um, and I know we've seen a lot out of Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones being the best deep ball passer in the league last year, but also being really bad. He didn't throw a single touchdown between 10 and 19 yards. And that, to me, is – I will keep saying that because, I like, that's hard to do. Like, how <laughs> – Okay. Like I don't I don't understand it. Like the, And it's not even like Saquon was there the entire year no. to like siphon away those touchdowns. Like no, he was the, out. 
no. The duality of this man makes me confused on a daily basis. Um, but what I want to see from him is increase in, like, talent in those short throws. I want to see that he's actually making them in, like... I know it's a little bit mean to say like that, just but... hearing increase in talent. I want, you know, if I could wish that on my team, <laughs> I'd be right there with you. I want to see an increase in talent across the board. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not just Daniel Jones, everybody. Um, but, and it's like a lot of that comes with the main thing that I want to talk about with Daniel Jones, which is like being a better game manager. Last year, Daniel Jones had several interceptions kind of just from, I mean, in his career, he has, a lot of interceptions just from not knowing when to throw the ball away. I know it's only week one. We're still not quite sure yet. Um, if you, if Saquon is fully back or not, but I hope he's back at least for a little bit of the game. I know a lot of people who have him in fantasy football want him there the whole time. I don't want to put Saquon Barkley at an insane amount of risk. Um, so I want to see him there for a good amount of time. Maybe not the entire game. And from him, it's more so seeing the contact. I know he has the skill. I know he can do all of these amazing things. I more so want to see him in contact situations because I'm pretty sure he only started playing contact with contact this last week. Um, being able to make those cuts and showing a lot of confidence, right? Like that's what I want to still see from him. We, You and I have talked off screen about players returning from injuries and like the mental health side of that and, and this confidence level that comes with it. And that's what I want to see from Saquon is I want to see same old Saquon that is cocky and confident and can still dominate um, and just staying healthy that, I mean, like, you know, those are pretty general things, but I think those are the big ones for me. I mean, it's easy to say something like, I want to see Kenny Holiday do good. I want to see Kadarius Tony actually play, but those for me are the more things that if we see them now could help build the future of this team too yeah and it's interesting because i think in a lot of ways we're in very similar spots even though we took different routes to get here at least our franchises because uh, if it wasn't obvious already i'm an eagles fan um oh i guess while some people might just be listening i'm wearing an eagles jersey and i have an eagles flag behind me so less obvious for those listening but um yeah it's a very similar situation with the eagles where uh I don't expect a lot out of the season. I, you know, I don't expect to go out and win a Super Bowl. And really, all I'm looking for week one is first and foremost, I just want to see what Jalen Hurts is. You know, we barely got to see him in the preseason. Um, and he's got a new head coach, a new offense, and he's going into the season knowing he's the starter. Um, he's a second year quarterback. He's had time to acclimate to the NFL, obviously, getting some starts at the end of last season. Um, and I just want to see the confidence that he speaks with and the confidence that his uh, teammates have with him, you know, he was just named a team captain and everyone has just been speaking so highly of him as a person. All that is awesome. It's really great. I I've been actually a really big Jalen hurts fan for a while now, uh, even before we drafted him. Um, but none of that matters if he can't play on the field and, Fantasy-wise, I have very little doubt that Jalen Hurts is going to be an asset for fantasy because of his rushing ability. But I need to know if that can translate to being able to carry a franchise. Because I'm sure that he can do it as a person, which I think that was kind of the issue with Carson, uh, Carson Wentz. Um, and I'm a big Carson Wentz guy, so it's, you know, it's not even me just hating on the guy. Like, I think that was the personality was a tough match with this city. But Jalen Hurts can handle the lights and the attitude of the city 
his play just needs to line up with that. Because I don't know if we have enough of a team around team around him yet to be able to really carry him. He, I don't think he can just be, um, you know, a game manager and take them to a Super Bowl one day. So obviously more so than just week one, but early in the season, I just want to get a vibe for what Jalen Hurts is on the field. Is he a guy that is going to rush 20 times per game and throw, you know, 10 times because as soon as there's the first sign of pressure, he's running away or is he going to try and improve as a passer? Because that's what you have to do to win in this league right now. Um, those are the things I'm, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, it's tough because last season was a very different offense, very boring offense. We didn't get to see him in the preseason and there's just been so much talk and so much hype. And I just, Again, that's what this segment is all about, is we're finally in week one. We can finally stop hypothesizing and arguing using knowledge we don't have. You know, everyone arguing on Twitter right now is guessing. Bold take. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I can go argue with some people on Twitter about what I think the Eagles are going to do this year. But guess what? Neither of us have any clue. We are, neither of us are in the coaching rooms. We're not in the player meetings and we're certainly not in the front office unless I'm arguing with one of Howie Roseman's burners because it is Philadelphia after all. But until we see it on the field, that's, we're not going to know. And that's, I think what I'm most excited for is just seeing how he handles himself on the field and what he can accomplish this season. Yeah. And, and like you said about everybody who interacts with Jalen Hurts speaks so highly of him. And it's like, it, that's hard that's hard to get like it, especially in a league that there's like no bloodshed like these these people have it out for each other people speak their minds like and you know i mean nothing has come out that anybody has ever had a bad experience with jalen hurts going back to college going back to high school everybody who's played or interacted with jalen hurts has a jalen hurts story to tell yep. um and i think like you said for philly that's important like a lot of, I can't believe I'm going to be nice. Do I have to be nice? You don't have um, to. I'll do it for you if you want. <laughs> I was going to say that as much as hate that Philly gets, Philly has a lot of heart and that's like, they need someone to match their energy. And, and I think like you said, just, we know that Jalen Hurts has that energy. It's just being able to sustain it. Even if you don't perform well, right? Like say you have a couple of bad games Philly eats people alive for that. Um, so being able to sustain it and say, hey, I, I messed up. I, here's what I could do better. And, you know, still be able to kind of take the city under your wing and and kind of play the city the right way because Philly has a big impact on their teams more than people care to admit. Um, Absolutely. So I, I am so excited to see him play, really, and, and actually have a real chance. Um Last year it was tough because I wanted to see him play, and you you just got to see him in bad situations. So we don't really know. The Jalen Hurts story still has a lot to tell, so I'm excited to see it. I agree, and like you said, I mean Philadelphia leave people alive, but at the end of the day, like, do we care about winning? Absolutely, but what we care about a lot more is that our athletes try and that they embrace us. Like the Phillies have not made. Oh, God, I'm getting into baseball on a football podcast. That's not good. The Phillies have been terrible for the past, like, 15 years. But this city has embraced Bryce Harper in a way that we don't do with many athletes. And it's just because he panders to us. That's really all it is. Uh, he tries his hardest. He wears Philly fanatic headbands. And that's all we need. Just uh, act like you like us and um, be willing to get in a fight for your teammate on the field. Like, 
that's what we would do for you. We just want to see you do it back. So, um, all right, we can stop talking about our teams because at the end of the day, uh, I don't think people want any more of that. Uh, but uh, that we are going to talk about a couple other things that we're looking forward to seeing uh, in this uh, week one of the NFL season. And uh, two of ours are actually uh, in the same game, which is this Thursday night premiere. So why don't, why don't you start us off talking about Dak Prescott, what you want to see out of him? Yeah, Dak Prescott. Again, it's easy to say it's a little bit of a cop-out, but that confidence. Dak was playing actually insane before he got hurt. And I don't expect him to come out of the gate like that. And if anyone does, I think you're setting your expectations way too high. Could he do it? Yes. But don't get your feelings hurt expecting him to put up insane numbers right away. I mean, they're um, playing maybe the best yeah. defense in the league that brought back yeah. all 11 starters in week one. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So don't, don't get your hopes down. If you're a fantasy manager who has Dak Prescott, don't. Don't freak out after week one, but I'm looking to see that he still has that confidence. And I talk a lot about how that organization changed a little bit. I mean, a lot of it after he got hurt, there was a yeah. very big like culture shift and just the energy around it and the players and a lot of anger and the team didn't perform without him there. And it was and bad vibes. Very right. Like every time you watched, it was like, like you felt it was like ominous. Right. And, it was palpable. So I'm very excited to see him back. Um, I hate the Cowboys, but I'm excited to see Agreed. him back because I, I love Dak Prescott. I really do. Um, so just for his talent, I love him. So I want to see him come back with that confidence post-injury. Um, that's the same thing I wish for everyone coming off of injury. And another big one, I want to see him run a little bit. And I think that's just coming with the territory of he got hurt in his legs and he needs to be able to run. And if you're someone who had placed a bet on comeback player of the year in order for it to be Dak, it needs to be him running. He needs to be able to use his legs. I would like to see it a little bit tomorrow. Again, that Bucks defense is scary. So I don't want to see it in insane amount that he's going to put himself at risk. Um, I don't have too much to look out for that shoulder injury. I don't think it was really that bad. I think it was more so he was coming off of a year of not doing anything. Um, so for me, it's more using his legs and kind of getting the team to rally back um, with him there. Yeah. And um, Dukes in the comments actually just pointed out that uh, it is probably worst case scenario facing yeah. that specific D line. And it doesn't help that Zach Martin is out with COVID yeah. um, who is, you know, all pro guard. Um, but I, I like that you point out his rushing ability. Cause I think that's something that kind of goes a little under the radar for Dak is yeah. that in his first three seasons in the NFL, he had six rushing touchdowns every year. Um, he had three the following year and he had three last year before he, um, got injured which you know he didn't play many games he played like five games and he already had three rushing touchdowns so that is huge for his uh fantasy viability so couldn't agree more um on the other side of the uh field is what i'm looking forward to kind of learning a little bit about week one and that is the buccaneers wide receivers um I feel like in every fantasy draft I've done this offseason, I have grabbed Antonio Brown in like the ninth or 10th round. Um, you know, obviously there's always the chance that he goes insane a little bit or, you know, gets arrested at halftime. He goes insane on the field or off the field? Yeah, I mean, all our possibilities. We don't really know, but 
either way, he is an insane value in my mind yeah. in that ninth or 10th round of a draft, because you see Mike Evans going in like the second, third, fourth, this range, you see Chris Goblin going in like the third, fourth, fifth range. Um, and honestly, when all three played, uh, I believe they played like eight or nine games together. AB's target share was near the top of all three of them. And there was not, you know, there was not the difference between the three of them that you would expect seeing where their ADPs are right now. There's not a, you know, a four round difference in their productivity when uh, AB came into the fold last year. He was just as productive as Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in those games that he played. And we already know that Tom Brady loves him. At the end of the day, Tom Brady's not going to, you know, I'm stealing this line from uh, Jax Falcone. We actually just talked about this a little bit on the Undrafted podcast the other day. But um, Tom Brady isn't going to throw to his quote-unquote favorite wide receiver because he doesn't have one. He's going to throw to the guy that's open. And A.B. is one of the best route runners we've seen in the past 15 years. Uh, he's not big. He's not fast. Uh, his measurables are not elite by any stretch of the imagination. But he has carved out one of the best careers that we've seen purely because of his ability to just get open. And Tom Brady recognizes that. And clearly, A.B., he didn't really lose a step. Not really. Not enough he to... He led the team in red zone targets in the nine games he was there. And that is on the same team as Mike Evans, who... That's what I'm it, saying. It felt I was like... I tell someone that today, who was like, do I draft Mike Evans? I was like, Mike Evans is still a good pickup. Mike Evans is a good player. But something to take into account is the fact that Mike Evans got a lot of his fantasy numbers yep. from touchdowns. And then that trickled down once A.B. came back. Yep. A.B. ate up the red zone. And like you were saying, Tom Brady targets anyone open. One of If you guys watch a lot of the series that the NFL teams are doing now, there was the Bucks did one called In the Current um, for last year, and they just started this year's. And last year, um, it was Cameron Brait was talking about he had scored his first touchdown, um, and Brady came up to him and was like, good job, and then I'm going to keep targeting you. Tom Brady goes for whoever's hot, whoever's open, and at the end of the season, that was A.B. Yeah. And, like, it's not like a, you know, we're, I don't think we're going crazy in saying, you know, a small sample size. This is half the season. Yeah. And you can throw in the, you know, one game that he spent with uh, Brady over in New England where he just got hyper-targeted. Um, and that was without knowing the playbook. Um, and it was the same thing with the Bucks. Like, he came in basically as a newborn baby in this uh, fairly advanced offensive system and hopped right in and didn't really waste any time. Um, but that, that's what I'm looking forward to learning about week one with the bucks, uh, because at the same time on the other side is Chris Godwin, who two years ago was the wide receiver two in fantasy. And then he was a little bit banged up last year. You know, he was on and off the field. He was playing through injury, whatever. Um, but you know, he's now with Tom Brady, he's healthy. Um, and Mike Evans, is he's never had under 1,000 yards in a season. Like, he, he's literally, since his rookie season, has never had under 1,000 receiving yards in a season. Those are the three wide receivers we're looking at. I like A.B. because of his ADP. But, you know, once the season starts, ADP doesn't matter anymore. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what the offense looks like. And if on a week-to-week -week basis, if it seems like Tom Brady could maybe even uh, produce three top-end fantasy wide receivers, you know, obviously I know that it's, you know, I said it, it's going to be whoever is open. He's not going to have a favorite target. But whoever is open, 
I want to know if it can be three different guys in one game. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to learning a little bit more about is what their offense looks like in that yeah. way. Yeah, and the last case I'll make for it is you have to remember that the reason AB is here is because of Tom Brady. Yep, Again, absolutely. like Tom Brady got him in New England. Tom Brady got him in the Bucks. If you watch that series, again, I recommend it so highly. They they produced it very well. Um, it was a, like an easy watch. It was a lot of fun to watch and kind of see the personality of all the players. And Tom Brady was actually pretty cool in it. So they Tom Brady talks a, a lot about how they got AB there and how the coaches and stuff were talking about how do we like let Tom Brady have the reins and not give up, like let him still be a player. And they propose that Tom Brady kind of introduce like an idea and then they get final decision. And Tom Brady was the one who said, Hey, what about AB? And they said, are you sure? Are you going to vouch for him? Tom Brady said, yes. And that's why AB is here. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you want to talk about another uh, kind of stacked receiving core a little bit. Um, so why don't you, Talk a little about Matt Stafford, the Rams, and what you want to see out of them. Yeah, so I am so excited. I think that that was probably one of my favorite trades of the offseason was Stafford going to the Rams. Um, I'm really excited to see him there, and I'm very, very intrigued to see what it means for Cup and Woods. Um, I am a huge Cooper Cup fan, and I think – Cooper Cup is going to work really well with Stafford. And we had seen a lot of reports that Stafford and Cup were developing a lot of chemistry. Um, But Stafford hasn't had a slot guy in a long time. And Cooper Cup is a slot guy who can still manage to get open. Um, So I really think the two of them are going to click. And I really hope it does. I have Cooper Cup in so many fantasy leagues. And I love watching Cooper Cup play. Um, and I really just think Stafford is going to mesh really well in this system. And that's what I'm excited to see. I'll keep it short and sweet, but just to see him there. And, I'll, you know, a lot of the headlines were like Stafford looking for his Hollywood ending. And I think it would be really cool. I, I like Matt Stafford. I think he's a cool guy. So I, I'm just intrigued to see how it works for uh, that receiving core there. Same idea as the Bucks. There, there's so much talent there. How many uh, viable fantasy options are we going to be able to produce? Um, and just see if a quarterback, it come, this system is established, but a new quarterback coming in, how that changes up the game for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that Sean McVay is just thrilled to have a guy like Matt Stafford there. Like, you know. He's just an amazing passer. I think he's extremely underrated in terms of like some of the best passers of the past 10 to 20 years, because I, I mean, obviously, yeah, he had Megatron um, and that obviously will boost anyone's numbers, maybe even mine in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, he's thrown for a lot of yards in the NFL and he's proven that he can do it week in and week out. So, uh, you know, slight upgrade over Jared Goff in that way. Um, yeah. But I agree. I mean, you know, we saw uh, we saw Stafford with. um Golden Tate, and they had a lot of really good years, uh, and Golden Tate being primarily a slot receiver. So I agree, and I also love Cooper Cup. So I kind of hope that you're right. Um, And lastly for me, and I think this this might be a little bit of a cop-out, but, um, you know, we've been hearing a lot this offseason about how incredible this rookie QB class is. You know, it it might be one of the best that we've ever seen. Five drafted in the first round. Uh, 
them, of course, being Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Um, obviously, not all of them are going to start, uh, you know, week one. I think right. I think we're really only getting three. I think it's Trevor, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones, I guess. Um, but I'm excited to see... You know, I, I'm ex- obviously Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, has a nice matchup against the Houston Texans and their non-existent team or defense or whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to see if this poise that I feel like we've heard a lot about throughout this preseason, about specifically Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, who were probably my two least favorite of this class, have gotten rave reviews out of camp. They've gotten a lot of compliments on their poise and knowledge of the system. And I'm, ex- I'm just excited to see whether or not that can translate to week one or if they're going to kind of have that welcome to the NFL moment. Um, I'm sure they will. But, you know, how much will it matter? Because once they get hit for that first time, or maybe they fumble the ball or they throw an interception, are they going to be able to get back up and just, you know, walk back out there like a seasoned pro and like it didn't matter? Or is it going to shake them a little bit? Are they going to see ghosts like our friend Sam Darnold? And, you know, and tripped like tripped by ghosts by our friend Daniel Jones. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm excited to see what these guys can do in their, uh, you know, in their NFL debut. And honestly, like, it's just exciting as a fan of the NFL and a fan of football, like seeing this group of really young, really talented, really exciting quarterbacks coming in, um, especially as we're kind of seeing, you know, some of the old guard leave. You got the Drew Brees, Big Ben's probably on his way out. Philip Rivers obviously retired. Um, who knows? Tom Brady's going to be around probably after Mac Jones. But um, just kind of seeing, uh, you know, where football is headed in the next 10 years. I'm excited as a fan to see that. So Yeah. And I think a huge thing for me with the rookie quarterbacks is there's a jump here in how you have to hold yourself right and and the amount of football iq it takes and i think that that's just what i'm looking for is those moments win or lose where you say hey that was a good call like that was you have good football knowledge you have good football iq and we could see you in this league for a long time that's what i'm looking for is those moments like that because I just love seeing these players succeed. Um, like you said, as a fan of football, that's what it is. Like I, I love my giants. I love fantasy football, but above all else, I'm a fan of football. So actually being able to see them play, see them succeed and have those like aha moments is, is what I would love for these kids to have. Yeah, it would be cool. It would be really cool. Um, and we don't all get to play the Houston Texans week one, but yeah, you know, uh, there are, also, easy matchups elsewhere. So, um, but I think that will end this and kind of bring us into our last little uh, piece of this uh, inaugural show. Um, and that is going to be a live draft on Underdog, uh, who is a partner with the Undroppables. Um, I think you have a code for us. Yeah. So, our current promo um, runs until the 13th, uh, September 13th, with, which is next week. You sign up with code UNDROPPABLE, and you'll get a free $25 bonus credits. Um, and after 9-13, using the UNDROPPABLE promo code, we'll get you access to our exclusive Discord channels where we talk about rosters, strategy, uh, DFS picks. Um, so if you don't sign up for Underdog now, make sure to save the code. Um, Underdog has a lot of fun things. They uh, In the offseason, we had a lot of best ball drafts. That was a lot of fun. And then you could do pick-ums on um, 
underdog which has been a lot of fun too and they they put out lines every week and i was able to put in a few for this week um but tell them what we're going to do today what kind of draft are we doing today so today we are going to do a two-person uh week one one o'clock slate draft so basically what that means is me and ashley are going to be drafting against each other live uh we're only going to be picking from the players that are in the one o'clock games uh so if your game is at one o'clock then you're available to be picked obviously if you're playing at 425 820 or thursday or monday you're not in this pool of players uh but we're each going to have you know i think a quarter back a running back two wide receivers a tight end and a flex um we're putting real money on the line that i don't want to lose um and we are going to draft against each other we're going to see who wins um and kind of as we go through it we're just going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite plays this week in fantasy um guys that we're looking to start or maybe that we have think we'll have good weeks um I don't know what your strategy is. I'm going to try and go a little bit away from some of the more obvious guys like Pat Mahomes, because obviously he's Pat Mahomes. But uh, there are some guys that I'm excited about that I think that will be pretty exciting. Uh, so I'm going to pull up that screen. And Ashley, if you just want to join the draft. Yeah, of course. Then we and can then for start everyone, this. So you guys know we did it. So it's a $5 entry fee. Um, and you actually do win the prizes. So the prize for the winner is $9. And there's tons of different entry fees. There's tons of different contests. Uh, there's weekly contests like this. Uh, you don't have to do it with two people. You can do it with uh, like 12, six, uh, tons of different numbers. But um, this seems like it would be fun. Uh, we're going to try and do one of these most weeks. Uh, we might change it up. Maybe the number of people, maybe we'll get some other undroppables in here to draft live with us. Um, but uh, we're excited to kind of see uh, what's going to happen. And we're excited to talk about some of our favorite guys. Um, I am entering the draft. Awesome. And it is filled, which means it'll probably start in about 30 seconds. Um, and you have the first overall pick, and the draft is going to start in a minute. So why don't you ruin who you're going to take and tell me why you're going to take them? Guess what? I'm going to take... Wait, am I allowed? To... Oh, it starts in 58 seconds. Yeah. Um, in all of the years I've played fantasy football, I have never had the first overall pick. Um. So I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey yeah. for my sole reason. I've never actually had to have Christian McCaffrey on a team of mine. Um, I, I'll stay away in the later rounds from some of the more obvious picks, like you said. But No, that's but that's the that right pick. It is. Because obviously Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey, but not to mention he also plays the Jets, who are terrible, and their defense is garbage. And I think they've lost, like, maybe every defensive lineman that they have. So um, it's a really good pick, and it's going to be fun to see him on the field again. I know. I'm excited. And that's another one you have to keep an eye on, um, returning from injury, because he, he had some injuries last year. So I'm excited to see if he's going to, you know, put up the same numbers that he usually does. Well, I guess we'll see, and I'm hoping, I guess, that he doesn't this week because I want to take your money. Uh, but since you've already got um, a running back, I am going to go... Actually, no, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to do a little gamesmanship here, and the fact that you already have a running back means I'm not as concerned with getting one of my guys. Uh, so I am going to go with one of my favorite guys this week, which is Calvin Ridley, um, playing against my Philadelphia Eagles, and that's why I like him is because he's playing against my Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I do think we'll have an improved defense this year, but I also think that our defense is not good enough to be able to not get torn up by Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to see a lot of volume uh, while Kyle Pitts gets uh, kind of 
equated to the NFL a little bit. Um, and speaking of volume, that's going to take me to my second pick, which is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and this is kind of just a little bit of a confidence pick in that I want people to be able to be confident in him. He had a rough end of last season, um, as did his quarterback, Kyler Murray. But I want people to know that Kyler Murray got injured. That hampered his fantasy success, and it also hampered DeAndre Hopkins' success. So I'm confident that he's going to bounce back this season, and I think that a, you know really a standout season is very much a possibility. Um, and it's something that I'm kind of expecting. So, Yeah. And since we're going with players that, um, you know, I'm not trying to steal all of the giant players. So I went with AJ Brown. I'm really excited to see. We still have no idea what Julio is going to do. And I'm going to actually put um, James Robinson. <sighs> I'm really excited. <laughs> Did I take him from you? Yeah, I was hoping he'd actually fall to me with my next pick. Um, he has yeah. a great matchup this week. And he does. Um, I'm not scared of Carlos Hyde. I mean, I'm scared of Urban Meyer more than I am of Carlos Hyde, I think. Which Urban Meyer is really scary. He is. It's terrifying to what he might do. Um, now I'm really not going to take a running back because I don't need to. Um, but I'm actually going to stack Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. Uh, again, on my Philadelphia Eagles, if Kyle Pitts is ever going to go off in week one, it's going to be against my awful core of linebackers. Um, so, so far, I have taken two people playing against my team. Uh, <laughs> Um, but that's okay because now I am going to go with Jalen Hurts because the Atlanta Falcons defense is also garbage. And again, I just think that Jalen Hurts is going to be huge for fantasy this year. He's got a massive rushing upside, but also that gives him a very solid foundation to stand on on a week to week basis. Uh, but this particular week, the Falcons defense is terrible. And I think that Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith are very much going to be able to carve it up together. And I know I'm not choosing from the best matchup, but I took Josh Allen. I'm really excited to see Josh Allen play. I really like to draft players who um, I really love to watch play. And Josh Allen is one of those players for me. And then I guess since I have him, I'll take an obvious pick um, for wide receiver and I'll go with Stefan Diggs. I mean, you're going the Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stack, which in this type of a uh... In this type of matchup, in like a two-person type of a type of thing, that's probably a really good strategic move because, yeah. I mean, obviously you're only trying to beat me. So if yeah. they have a big week, then they can just stack on top of each other. Um, I am going to take my first and only running back in Dalvin Cook, who he's a monster. I don't think there's a lot to say. I need someone to try and match up with uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, but instead of going with a second running back, which I feel like I would normally do, I'm actually going to do something to counter one of your picks. AJ Brown has been on and off the injury report this week. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have a good matchup and I am going to go with Julio Jones. Um, hoping that he can be the one to have the standout week instead of AJ Brown, which will give me an advantage over you. But also I just want to express confidence in Julio in this offense. Um, I think he's good value. And also he's one of the best wide receivers of our generation. So until he's injured, I'm just going to assume he's going to produce. Yeah. Um, I went with the last pick with Travis Kelsey because I wanted to share the fun fact of the fact that Travis Kelsey outscores the average tight end by 102 percent um how crazy is that like insane so I went with him there um I was gonna say something else but I can't remember that but yeah I also told you earlier um we're co-managing a, a team right now and I didn't get to get tra Travis Kelsey anywhere this year um so now that I have him in our 
two, it was so hard to get him in this two-man league. So I got him in this two-man league, and we got him in the league um, where we're co-managing a team together. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, um, as someone who uh, who had Travis Kelsey last year in a dynasty league and has had a long historical problem in that league with maintaining any type of tight end production, um, after giving up way too many firsts to get Travis Kelsey, um, it does feel like he outscores other tight ends by 102%. I can completely confirm that without doing any mathematical anything to back that up uh, because the feeling that I get in my pants when he plays on my team is definitely that of one that scores way more than any other tight end. So Yeah. And that's why like a lot of people tend to draft RB heavy. I mean it depends on what how you like to draft, but a lot of running backs go in the first round. And Travis Kelsey, if I'm not drafting a running back, I'm drafting Travis Kelsey. Those are those are the two ways I usually start off my drafts simply because Kelsey is just a cheat code and it puts you, it gives you such a positional advantage on a week to week basis. League makes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so real quick, I'm just going to read you uh, my final team and then Ashley's going to do the same. Uh, just so you guys know, I guess what we're going to be rooting for this week. So I can win $5. Um, I have Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I have Dalvin Cook at running back. I have Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones at wide receiver. And I have rookie Kyle Pitts uh, against my Philadelphia Eagles at tight end. How about you? I have Josh Allen at quarterback, um, stacked with Stefan Diggs at receiver, along with A.J. Brown. My two running backs are Christian McCaffrey and James Robinson, and my tight end is Travis Kelsey. That's awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited which to see how this yours, works. Which pick of yours was your favorite? Um, honestly, I think it, in a really weird way, I think it might be Julio Jones. Um, I really, uh, with all the, the question marks surrounding AJ Brown, um, I think that going into this week, uh, Julio Jones might just have a huge week to kind of remind people that he's not broken and bad at football. Um, it's, you know, it's a storyline pick that I like. Um, and I like the uh, the game theory behind taking him with you having AJ Brown a little bit um, kind of like a counter stack, I guess. I don't know if that's the correct term. That's what I was going to say before was I know we're, we're past kind of draft season right now, but keep in mind that another great way to be a great fantasy football player is to play defense um, and like, you know, draft players that if you know, your league mates like, like, like a stack and it's a good stack, take the player before, you know, don't go out of your way to draft players above ADP, but play good defense when you play fantasy football because that really helps. Yeah, and on a week-to-week basis, too. It's a very similar way with uh, working waiver wires and that kind of stuff. Um, all things that we will hopefully talk about this season. Uh, but I do believe that that brings us to the end of our very first episode. Um, and what a wonderful episode it is. Ashley's literally throwing her mic around. She's so excited that we're finally I done. Um, she's excited uh, for, you know, to stop having to look at my face. She's just pumped. Um but uh yeah why don't you uh close this out ashley yeah of course um thank you guys so much for joining us we're so so excited to um be doing this this season dunks and i have put in a lot of work behind the scenes for several weeks now and we believe in this podcast so much and everything we have in store like what we did today isn't even scraping the surface of of what we know we can do with this podcast so Stick along with us. Come for the ride. It's going to be a lot of fun, and and especially during the season, we're so excited. And like we said, it's a football podcast. It's 
Don't put yourself in a box with fantasy. Don't put yourself in a box with just football. It's a great mix of both of it. And just come have a good time with us on Wednesdays um, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on YouTube, live on Periscope on Twitter. Um, and then you can catch it after, either really late Wednesday night or on your drive into work on Thursday morning, uh, You where you can listen back um, anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google. And like I said, make sure make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow the Undroppables. Um, they are so lovely to be giving us this platform and, and allow us to have this podcast. And we are, are eternally grateful for that. So make sure you're following the Undroppables. You could find me at Ashley underscore Marie on Twitter. That's with two A's in Ashley. Um, make sure you're following for me, um, the Undroppables TikTok. I run that social media account. Um, but yeah, Twitter's the best place to find me, and you could find me here every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm at MP Duncan 75 on Twitter. Um, I'm also the producer for the Undrafted podcast, hosted by Jax Falcone at Dino Game Theory. Um, yeah, I guess Twitter's the best place to find me. I'm not hard to find, though, so I'll probably answer you if you tweet at me or if you message me. And if you have a question, I'll do my best to give you a coherent answer. Um, but yeah, so I think that does it for this episode. Uh, Ashley, thanks so much for hopping on here with me. I'm very excited to do this again next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that um, and a couple more of them thrown in there. So uh, on behalf of Ashley, on behalf of me, on behalf of the Undroppables, everyone have a great night or morning or rest of your day. Whenever you're listening to it. Bye. Bye.